This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast, coming back at you, talking DC United, all things MLS too. We do some MLS talk as well. We do some sports media rights talk. USL talk. USL talk. We do that occasionally. We do, we do, we do. John, how you doing, my friend? How how was your uh how was your weekend? I'm doing I'm doing great. We had the Virginia soccer quad, which is cool. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Is that loud? Did Loudon win? I, I I really did. They did. Oh yeah, they did. Three to one. Three to one. Dang. So they're not as bad. The the kickers had a had a zero uh, zero game that turned on a uh, fabulous play from Joe Gallardo. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. it was a pretty nice goal. Um, did and then not. had a nice breakaway. It's fine. You don't care. I understand. I get it. It's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm not you happy. You cover the Richmond beat. I cover the Loudon beat. It's only one USL team in my heart. I can I can't. No room for two. You, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. They got a game. They got the Open Cup game on Wednesday, so which I will not be going to because a trip to Raleigh is too much. Considering I'm on, then going to Virginia Beach on Thursday, taking some time off. Going to see the Struts in concert, so that'll be fun. Um. Anyway, uh, we had a soccer game. We had a soccer game to talk about. We got we got DC United uh, a one zero victory, um, over Sporting Kansas City. A fantastic goal from Paul Ariola. Um, they are now, was it unbeaten now, I guess, since the Minnesota game. So I guess that would be what, unbeaten in three? Is that what mm-hmm. we would call it? Um, I think so. Yeah, so they've uh, they've uh, they've looked well. Um, I, I don't see, uh, I thought this was one of their stronger strongest games they've had in a while. Um, I mean, we, we should expect that because literally I think it came out that uh, there were only three field players that Kansas City had as a substitute on the bench. And even Graham Zuzik, who we predicted would score, was not there. Uh, he was injured. He would, did not play in that game. Uh, so you you should expect DC to dominate, um, but they did. And uh, uh, Tim Milia did his be- level best to keep him in the game. Uh, they seem to think that the 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 policy of just leaving Burnbaum wide open and just and just letting Milia make saves uh, was going to work for them. Um, and it to to be fair, it did. But uh, they uh, DC came close on a couple of occasions. John, what what did you make? You were there. You were live in person for this game. I confirmed that before starting the show. Uh, what did you What did you make of this game? The, uh, Kansas City did ask me if I would be okay with being a sub. They gave me a penny. <laughs> I told them that I couldn't do it in good conscience, uh, despite the fact that it, you know lifelong dream and whatnot. Um, it was uh, It was an interesting game. I, I am surprised that the uh, the possession stats were fifty fifty. I think that that I think if you looked at maybe, I, I didn't look at the stats at the end of the first half, but uh, it felt like the second half they obviously lost a little, the, little bit of the ball. Passing was a little bit more choppy. The field also started to take on a lot of water um, in the second half. Uh, sort of, I'm trying to think of the big the big things that popped out. So I would say first and foremost, Ariola's goal was great. Uh, the the crowd, at least the side that I was on, were screaming at him to shoot a number of other times. He had maybe two chances in the five minutes preceding where the ball either squirted away from her a little bit or didn't sit for him the way he liked. And he actually addressed that in the interview after the fact. He's like, you know, I wanted to shoot a couple of times. It just didn't work out. And I knew I had to get my chance. I took it. Uh, but we were all screaming, shoot. It was like a hockey game. It was like a caps game where mm-hmm. they're on the penalty. We're on their uh, power play and everyone's yells, shoot every five seconds. 
Um, so he was, again, I think you talked about it on Twitter. We've talked about it on the show. He puts in consistent performances. And even when the touch isn't there or he's not, uh, he's not able to, to, you know, really impact the offense. He's, he's trying the whole time. He is, he is a man that's got an engine that doesn't stop. Uh, he, it's, it's very impressive. And the, uh, the fact that, uh, it took that moment of magic was more, I think, an indication of the conditions, the way Kansas city was set up to play. I, uh, they, they looked very much like a team that zero, zero, they would have, they would have like doused beer, uh, in, <laughs> in the, uh, in the locker room. They would have been fine with that. Um, Marquinhos Pedroso looks fine. He looks like a backup left back, I think, is what he looks like to me. He looks like a, a good backup for for Joseph Moore when Joseph Moore comes back. Chris McCann no longer really has a – I guess the, he'll be – I think he'll probably be now the third string, I, w- I would imagine. We haven't yeah. seen a lot of McCann. We've only seen a little bit of him. But Pedroso is a little bit faster, although he runs kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> there was a time when he was, uh, he was having to cover a back post run – and he was sort of—he looked like he was Oprah speed walking, but just a little bit faster. He has like a weird sideways, like arm shuffle waddle thing going on. It's I think the, it was because he was tired. It's the—it's the, it's the Kovalenko run. It's yeah, the, it's yeah Diva, that is what it was. Dima like. Kovalenko had the most awkward run of any soccer player I've ever seen in my entire life, and and that's what it reminded me of a little bit. Bill uh, Hamid—he gave the ball away. He he put um, he put a burn bomb in a pretty bad spot in the second half on a back pass that, that Steve slipped on and Bill came out to scream at him and Pedroso immediately like turned away as if he was like, F you, I don't know you buddy. Like <laughs> he was just, he was just like, I'm not taking that. I'm not going to listen to that. And then Bill came over to him and like patted him on the butt. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm just telling you what not to do. We don't have to have a fight here. I'm, this is what I do. I'm, I'm Bill Hamid. I yell at defenders. This is what I do. Um, but he crossed the ball into touch once or twice. He's just fine. He's, he's, he's fine. He's a six. He's fine. Six out of 10 for me. He, he was not sticking out in a bad way. Yeah. Um, Acosta gave the ball up about five or six times uh, and dribbling, dribbling through some traffic. He, there were times where the interconnectedness was good. They were having some good passing triangles up and down the field. However, in the attacking third, they were trying to arsenal the ball a little bit. And uh, Acosta was just dribbling into, into defenders and lost, the, I think, four or five times. Yeah, Trey and I were keeping track. I think it was about five times that he gave the ball up. But uh, luckily... Kansas City was not set up to really make make them pay, even when they even when they gave the ball up. They were most dangerous in the counterattack for sure. But um, you know, I, I think it was if if Kansas City was going to score, it was going to be off a corner or it was going to be off a weird busted play. And yeah. that's almost when they've scored, it was sort of like that. Yeah, it was, almost a, scored. It, it was almost it was almost what happened. Like you said, the weird the play where Birnbaum slipped and due to the wet surface, and then uh, Nemeth also shanked the ball due to the same wet surface yep. uh, late in the game. I think we can pretty much uh, put the eye in there. Um, about Acosta's play, again, I, 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 I feel like with Acosta, that's that's kind of the player you get. You're gonna get a guy who's gonna take guys on, who's gonna run at players, and to to his credit, it worked. Uh, there was one moment in the game, I believe it was about the fifty. I want to say. I think it was 58th, uh, close to the 60th minute, where he dispossessed uh, a Kansas City player right on the sideline, took it up the sideline, and uh, nearly laid a ball off, I think, for Rodriguez. 
um, to put it away. So, you know, you're going to have those moments that you see that kind of get you up your seat, but you're going to have a lot more moments where he's going to uh, get dispossessed, and that's kind of the player it is. What I mostly want to see out of him is I want to see the the connecting passes, uh, the connecting passes with Rooney, the connecting passes with his other team. Uh, and I think we saw a lot of a lot of good signs there. Um, I, I did not think everybody was sort of yelling like, oh, he's getting dispossessed. and like, well, he gets dispossessed like almost every game. Uh, I, I would I would hedge bets that he probably loses um, at least 50% of his dribbles. Uh, his dribbles, if you look at his Opta stats, he's always going to have stats where he where he's losing where he loses dribbles um and when he makes most of them uh that usually means he's having an outstanding game and he's he's blown by people um but i i think his ability it seemed to me in the there were moments i saw where maybe he was just a half a touch if he had just moved a little bit he would have he would have broken the play uh he would have broken the defender and and and, and broken through uh so you know those those moments of going at guys i don't particularly mind um all that much uh, particularly when they're in the right areas and, and he, he's trying to make something happen. Um, I think what we've been missing from him and where I've been more critical of him is when he was not doing that. He certainly wasn't doing that in the uh, in the LAFC, LA, uh, LA game. And he certainly wasn't doing that in the y- NYCFC uh, game. So if he's dribbling at guys, uh, you know, he's going to break through at least one or two of those and set up an opportunity. Um, and that he's kind of that, that high risk, high, you know, high risk, high reward type player. Uh, when it comes to dribbling on the offensive third, um, overall, uh, you know, I said this in the in the in, in the show. I, I did feel like there was from the sort of the rest of the team, and Costa was included in this. There was sort of a a lack of patience. I felt in the final third. I would have liked to have seen them sort of move the ball in, and they, certainly in the first half, they took way too many low chance shots uh, from outside the eighteen. Um, I would have liked to have seen more building up, more passing, more. Uh, more just an ability to sort of generate a high-quality chance. And then when they started to do that, and a little bit more in the second half, I thought they actually generated some better chances. Um, so I, I was not, I guess, on the on the end of 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 unnecessarily uh, of a thinking like you think that they were they were trying to arsenal it, they were trying to work it in. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more of that. I think the conditions made it so that there the opportunity for a screw up, particularly in the second half on a ball handle that was shot hard and low was high. Uh, and they weren't, and they weren't doing that. I, I mean, from, from my vantage point, there were a number of passes on the outside of the 18 that were, were horizontal uh, over, you know, over and over again, and they would, they would lose opportunities. And uh, Costa had a couple chances where he was facing on the goal and he would give it to Rooney five feet away. I, you know, normally I would say yes that that creating a little bit of space through those triangles is good. But when the when the ball was slick and people were slipping all over the place, I would like to see them just hit it really hard towards the goal in some way. But it, it, it worked out. The goal happened, um, and uh, we get three points. But otherwise, otherwise the end product was was not was not the strong suit. And I think that the the quotes by the players afterwards indicate you know they agreed. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think it was yeah again, and they had a, several opportunities off set plays. Uh, set plays continue to be where this team is most dangerous. Uh, Rooney had an absolutely you know screamer free kick that probably beats about you know half the keepers in the league. Uh, and then uh, you have uh, a like I said on the, on the corner kicks, uh, Kansas City just seemed to want Burnbaum just to have a free header. Uh, they were just going to throw a bunch of bodies in the in in the goal and have Tim Milia try to stop them. Um, and they very, very nearly uh, broke through on a couple of those occasions. Um, I guess with the team being as dangerous as they are on set pieces, you can have the the one of the lowest like chances created 
uh, of any team. But uh, it's certainly something that this team definitely can't rely on. Um, and again, I thought the goal uh, the goal came from the run of play. So it's a it's a run of play goal. Uh, everybody was kind of talking on the Twitter like, oh, it's going to come off a set play or a busted play. Um, and it didn't really come like that. It was a very nice work, nice ball from Rooney. Uh, it did come off a foul and a quick restart, uh, which I think uh, I think uh, Vermees was none too happy about. Um, I think he, of course, he's gonna grovel about everything. Um, I'm sure there are referees out there that when they see they got Kansas City, especially the fourth official, because they got to take most of it um, than when it comes from other coaches. Uh, he was mad about it. I think. I think he was. I think maybe. I think he seemed to be mad about the spot of the ball. And where the ball was played, which again I think is one of the most overblown reasons to get angry, especially on a quick play like that. If the team wants to start quickly, you let them start quickly. Um, they've been fouled; they 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 have that every right. And I don't think it matters where that ball is placed. You know, they're going to make that pass right to Rooney, and Rooney's going to run into space. And you, as a team, have to respond to that. And Kansas City did not respond. Found Ariola, and Ariola does probably uh, uh, a very very nice goal. Um, and he was he was active all night. He was he was the best player out of there on the field and generating the most changes and and really giving Melia a, a tough time, especially when they tried to play back. So um, I thought he was fantastic, and I thought it was I, I thought it was a, a great bit of effort from him. Hara had another good game. Yeah, just sort of consistently yeah. doing his thing. In a game where he doesn't get injured, he's you know top two, top three uh, on on DC United side every time. So uh, really hope that. The, the Boca fans that don't like him for, for reasons continue to not like him and he doesn't want to go back. I hope really hope we can retain him because he's you want like you were saying on Twitter, that's a that's a strong shout for a jersey if he keeps playing the way he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. He's he was absolutely again he, his ability just to move forward and we all thought he was going to be a defensive liability. But his ability to not only move forward, there, but also to make there are, every game he makes either like one of the offensive plays of the game where like he makes just a really nice pass or he dispossesses somebody in the offensive third and gets an attack going, um, or in situations when he is, you know, are doing some emergency defending and he is able, he has an incredible ability to dispossess the player, not take a foul and and recover the ball. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, he he has he is a large part of why this team is where it is. Um, I I am very very confident. That if he was injured, uh, we would not be sitting in first place right now. Um, I guess uh, do we want to talk about anything else? Uh, Bill Hamida had a couple excellent saves, but again, that's yep. becoming par for the course. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me. I like on the free kick. Like I was like, that's probably a free kick where if that happens, that's probably up for save of the week. But because it's Bill Hamid, and because he just handles it so nonchalantly, like he barely even has to move uh, because he's positioned himself so well. Um, Probably not up for save of the week, uh, and then he makes another great save, kind of uh, on the on the ground. Um, yep. So again, that one was more impressive to me. That yeah. th- that ball, I-, I yelled goal as soon as that as soon as that play started to happen, and uh, yeah. I was like, oh, never good, great, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> never mind. Um, so I mean, I guess so. You know, there was an interesting comment um, I-, I saw on Reddit, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take this, but we're actually we're, we are a third of the way through the season almost. Basically, uh, we're at the the the, the third way point. I was going to say halfway point, but that's not it. It's third way point. Whatever. Uh, DC currently sitting tied for first place. Uh, but they it's so funny because, like like you said, they, they're not playing. Like, you wouldn't say that they're like LAFC where literally they walk in every game and they're just the best team out there and they're just dominating. But they've found ways to win. Uh, th- this is uh, – I'm getting, like, 2014 DC United vibes where everybody's talking about how – 
well, I don't know how it's happening, but they're they're winning games and they're getting results. Uh, but it's a little bit higher quality, obviously. Uh, instead of Fabian Despindola, you have Wayne Rooney out there. So it's, it's a little different. Uh, but I'm getting like a very 2014 vibe with this team. This team just goes out. They you know, get the, get the goals when they matter. They get the results when they matter. And it doesn't matter that you can pin, you know, you can say, well, they're not playing very well. They're getting results and, and soccer is a results-based business and you can be getting results and you can be not be getting results. Uh, and this team is getting results one way or another. Um, so I am very positive. I guess that the team is still the, the position they are and they are not playing their best because, you know, you know that the best is there. You've seen it. Um, so I'm hopeful, you know, if this team starts to continue to sort of, you know, show growth and show position that they can be flying in, in August, September, like they were, uh, like they were last season. I'd like to see them deal with a little bit adversity, not just from a player selection standpoint, from, from maybe going behind at home and figuring out a way to get back into a game. I think that's the, that's the thing that's missing so far is they either they'll squeak one out, which is one way of showing mental strength. But the other one is when you been punched in the face and you're down and you've got to figure out a way to get back in i think that these two games on the road wednesday saturday will, will are a good test they're going to have to rotate a little bit i think um rooney will probably still play 180 minutes out of these next two games <laughs> almost almost guarantee it um but that i i think that's what i want to see before i feel confident the eastern conference is top heavy i think i think they're, i think it's i think it's pretty good at the top and it's really bad at the bottom and then the middles who knows right now well, I think the the interesting thing right now about the Eastern Conference is you had the presumed heavyweights who are now starting to find it, find it, get it together. New York Red Bulls are getting it together. New York City FC are getting it together, and of course Atlanta is also getting it together. Pity Martinez getting a goal. So you have all these teams that sort of jumped on it, like DC, like Philly, um, who've now won. You know, they've lost one game. And they're seven. They're absolutely flying right now. Um, and then you have the teams now that were sort of everybody was like, wow, they're they're really bad. They're looking like, you know, this might be, you know, they like people were talking maybe Atlanta, if Atlanta can't get it together, you know, Frank DeBoer's fired and they might miss the playoffs uh, because they're in such disarray. Um, and they've managed to start to put together results, start to find consistency and and mostly start to uh, start to win. Um, so that's uh, that's important, I think, for the team. Um, and, uh, and I think that's important for the, for the Eastern conference. I think, I think it's going to end up being a better Eastern conference than a lot of people give it credit for. You want to talk about top heavy, uh, talk about the Western conference because they're about like seven or, you know, five or six good teams and then a couple average. And then the rest is just like absolute, like, you know, dog crap to say the least. Yeah, I think, I, I think that we, uh, you're, I think you're right. A lot of the teams, no one's no one's fully cooked. No one's identity is all the way where it's going to be at the end. So I think that's I think that's a good point. And Unless you're New England or Colorado, know, <laughs> right? Right. They're baked in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know they're a fully formed pile of crap at this point. Uh, but you're right. I think that uh, I a lot of times, a lot of seasons, you have a front runner that just runs, you know, at or close to the top, wire to wire. Uh, in Atlanta, for instance, where they're just like completely dominant. You're like, well, that's the that's the standard we got to hit. And this year it's, you know, do I think Philly is going to be there at the end with like single digit, you know, three or four losses? I don't really think that's the case. I think that would be a surprise. Uh, but anything is possible. I think Atlanta's, I think Atlanta is going to do what they're doing now. I think they have definitely found a way to uh, play exciting soccer in the new format that DeBoer has them playing with some new players in place. Um, so the East is definitely going to look a lot different than it is today. Mm -hmm. The question just is, is where does DC end up? 
when everything, when all of these teams are fully who they're going to be throughout the season. I mean, I personally think so. You know, we had the, I think we had Columbus kind of jump out to the lead along with DC. And then we had Toronto. It was like, well, Toronto's making a run. They're playing really well. Now they've suffered, you know, they suffered the loss to, to Philly, um, which was kind of surprising. And they're, they're definitely a, a pretty flawed team. Uh, though I think, you know, Josie Outdoor is getting back from injury. So be, I'd be curious to see um, how he kind of slots in this year. Um, and so you're seeing kind of like every team sort of, all these teams like sort of make a run at DC. Uh, but DC is the only team from, I, I mean, I, I would have to go back and look, uh, but I'm pretty sure they've been either number one or number two uh, in the Eastern Conference for the whole run, uh, you know, for the whole run since May. Now that could change, obviously can change, but I, I do see this team kind of almost withstanding um, a lot of challengers at this point in the East. Uh, so that's another reason why I'm kind of confident that, that things are kind of are, are trending sort of are still trending in the right direction for this team. Um, so again, this is a tough home stretch. Uh you know, Toronto is gotten a lot better. Uh, Nick Dalion, I'm sure, will be will be more than willing uh, to to sort of put a hurt on on uh, on his former club who didn't think he was good enough. Um, and, he, and he was rested this last weekend, so he'll be fresh. No, he played. He played. He didn't start. Oh, he didn't start. Okay, nope. he, he might have come in. So he he'll be he'll be rested. They probably did that on purpose. Uh, Pasuelo is fantastic, and we'll get into the games later. Um, but and then they got Houston, uh, who I was very skeptical of because everybody said, "Oh wow, they look really good," and I'm like, "Yeah, but they played all their games at home." Uh, but now they've started to sort. Of, they they still look very strong. Uh, so it's going to be a, a tough run, I think, for for DC. So um, um, I guess yeah, I think we're anything else we want to touch on the KC game before we go to break and. Come back? Nope. I lo- you like three points in uh, shitty in shitty weather, so yeah. that's fine. I, it was funny, like you said. I I skipped the Columbus game as a uh, capital weather gang led me astray, and then I came to this one and uh, was very cold and wet. So yeah, it was like it was like February and in, in it DC. was <laughs> it really was. All right, I guess with that uh, we'll wrap up. But stick around. We've got some. We'll preview a little bit of the games coming up next week, and we've got uh, some DC related news, uh, some off the field news, a bunch of other stuff coming up. Stick around. You're listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Welcome back to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna do a little bit on the the games coming up next week. Uh, I'm still was unable to find a guest for TFC or for Houston. So if you know anybody who might be interested, uh, send us a link and see if they're interested in coming on the show, talking about their team. Uh, that always seems to be when we have better things to say. Uh, we watch a little bit, but obviously when our minds are very much focused on um, on one team, it can be difficult to cover all the teams. But uh, let's talk about the first game coming up. I, I think the toughest game probably DC has faced uh, probably since either LA or New York uh, certainly is going to be against TFC Um, on the road. They are, they, they were the, like the darlings of the league and then they had a bad season and now they're getting better and no one's talking about them uh, except for maybe uh, Pasuelo. Uh, But they are certainly back and they, and they are a dangerous team. Uh, They're a very, very dangerous attacking team. Uh, Defensively, they're very suspect. Um, I find it kind of funny. Uh, uh, Simon uh, was kind of the, he was the toast of the league when he was in, uh, when he was in, uh, Montreal, and then he got he got he got moved on to to LAFC. He was named the captain. We're like, oh wow, what a great you know defensive signing. He struggled. Uh, LAFC sold him back, I think, back to France mid season because uh, it just wasn't working out. And then he, of course, he gets purchased uh, and brought back uh, by TFC. Um, I'm you know he uh, their defense has struggled. I haven't looked at it, but they certainly struggled uh, against Philly. 
Uh, Philly absolutely broke them, broke their back uh, twice in that game. Um, as far as the as far as the offensive offensive abilities, um, but they do have a very very dangerous attacker. They basically went out and said we need another Javinko, and they found Pasuelo, who's not as small as Javinko. He's a little bit bigger, um, but still ever bit as dangerous in the attack. Uh, he I think burst on the scene with like two goals when he first started, and he had an absolutely uh, just monstrous free kick goal. Um, so it will not surprise me if Pasuelo and Rooney exchange some free kick goals in this game. Um, it will not surprise me if each of them get a get a free kick goal because both teams uh, seem to have a, a specialist in that area with uh, Wayne DC and Wayne Rooney. Um, any anything you want to add about TFC? Uh, I guarantee that Deleon will make us uh, very sad on yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> that is my, that is my other prediction. Uh, I, I said earlier, I think there's going to be some rotation. I think that they understand that of the two games, this is the more challenging game. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how, when I used to coach a baseball team and we would, when I knew we had a doubleheader and I knew their ace pitcher was starting in the first game, I would tank that first game basically and, and just, you know, accept the loss and save all my bullets for the next round. So I'm wondering, I'm, you know, there, there aren't a lot of changes he's going to make that could really make a difference. Uh, Rooney's still going to start. Uh, it's just gonna. There's, uh, you know, will Jalen Robinson start one of these games? That's that's a maybe. Uh, will Zoltan start one of these games? Maybe. Um, it's it's. I think that they they talked about rotation. I don't know how much we're actually gonna see. I think that they'll definitely use all three subs. You know, uh, on like on like some other games. I think that'll definitely happen with the two games in three days. Uh, but I am I'm less optimistic for this game. Do we want to make a, a score prediction since we? It will, it will happen well, before we... Well, about the rotation, the game on Wednesday is the mo- is more important than the game on Saturday. It, just, it is. It's against an Eastern Conference opponent. Games in your conference matter much more than games out of your conference. Houston's out of the conference. Um, now, they are sort of chasing that, you know, that top spot, um, and, they're, and you want to stay in that. But I think if you, you know, you want to go for a win in Toronto, um, especially after Philly got the win, um, I think you want to put your best front forward. You want to try to go get that win. And then you want to maybe see if you can hold on for a draw in in Houston. Um, I think Toronto is the more important game. You want to deny a team, especially a team that can catch you on the inside track. This is a chance to put separation between you and uh, and Toronto. And even if you get a draw, that's not a bad result um, against a good team like Toronto. Um, as far as score prediction goes, um, I think there's going to be. I'm I'm thinking Toronto. I think Toronto's going to want to win. I think they're going to want to get some confidence back after the loss to Philly. Um, I think it's going to be 2-1 Toronto. I think DeLeon gets a goal. I think Pasuelo gets a goal, and I think Rooney gets a free kick um, goal and kind of makes it interesting. But I think DC's actually going to lose this game. I'm, I'm not super confident based on what we've seen uh, so far. And especially if, if if Toronto wins, I might be actually more confident. But they lost, so they're going to be upset, and they're going to be want, they're going to want to get a win. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm going in this game. And also, um, I expect Josie Althor to be out there starting. Um, and if he's out there, that's another dangerous attacking option they have. I'm going to go two, two. Uh, I think that your goal scorers for Toronto are right. Pasuelo and, and De Leon. I see, uh, Lucho and TT scoring. Ooh, I think that's, TT. I think it's, I think it's, yeah, I get my unconventional score. He, I, I would like to see more production out of him. Yeah. I really, you know, if if there's internal dialogue about him being the long-term replacement and us exercising the option, and it won't be, I don't think it's necessarily a cheap option. I don't think it's going to be very super expensive, but it will not be nothing. Uh, I think he needs to produce a little bit more throughout the rest of the season for us to feel set on him for next year. You know, here's the thing, the thing about TT right now is I have very, I have very like Lucho 2016 
type feels about him. To be honest, um, everybody was saying, "Oh, you gotta, re- you gotta get him. You gotta resign him. You gotta resign. You, know, you gotta get him. He's good. He's clearly good." I see a lot of good things out of TT. I think he, he, his, his ability and in, in to move the ball into the attacking positions um, is really good. I thought there were a couple opportunities he's had. Um, he's gotten better and better each game. Um, so I am completely sold on on TT coming in. Um, not again, like you, maybe not sold on the replacement uh, for um, uh, for Lucho. I think if they if they get rid of if if he's not the replacement for Lucho, I think that is evidently clear based on what I've seen so far. He's Zol- um, he could be Zoltan's replacement. Yeah, if he, absolutely if he's, yeah, Zoltan. Then then cool. Then <laughs> yeah. great. But I mean, if, if Lucho's gone. They got to go make another big move. I'm sorry, they have yep. to. Yeah, they, there's no question about that. Um, game against Houston. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't had much to watch on Houston. Um, I will say, uh, everybody was talking them up. I was very skeptical because they had played a lot of games at home um, to start the season, uh, and and I think that's where everybody was kind of waiting. Um, I, I did listen to a lot of the guys talk about they played a pretty strong game against Seattle. Um, they were. Uh, they actually seemed like they, they kind of changed up how they played. Uh, they actually went at Seattle a little bit, um, and were very unlucky not to, not to get a goal, uh, not to get a goal to tie it up. So, uh, I, I will say that I'm, I think Houston is a really good team. Um, I think there's a very good chance that DC could also lose this game. I think we could be entering two losses, uh, very easily. Uh, Houston is, this is not the Houston of old. This is a team that actually has an identity and a team that's actually, uh, very much challenging for that for for the sort of the top ranks of the of the Western Conference, and we never do well in Houston. Let's be serious. That we is, have we, we have never played true. well at all at Houston. I think I would not be surprised if we've. I don't think we've ever had a win in Houston. I'll have to check, but I'm pretty sure that we have never won a game in Houston. Um, I'll I'll be curious to see the to see the uh, the stats on that. Hmm. I am. Less optimistic because I you you have you have swayed me over to the fact that if there's going to be rotation, it'll be Saturday instead of Wednesday. On the plus side, Houston is playing a game also on Wednesday, but it's at, they're both of them are at home, so there's yeah. no traveling going on. So nope. I think their legs will be a little bit fresher. Um, I I think I think like a one nil loss or a one one draw are, are are possibilities. I don't see a lot of fireworks if there's rotation going on. And we're set up maybe in a more defensive way on the road on a second game in three days, in a game we don't necessarily have to win. Um, so uh, I'll say I think I'll say one one. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna two go, draws. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go two nothing loss in that game. Um, so you think we get no points out of this week? I I I could see it happening. Um, I I think uh, TFC is going to be angry, and I, and I, I'll be pleasantly surprised if it goes the other way for sure. So, uh, but I'm I, I'm not seeing any points out of this week. Honestly, Ted's yeah. trying to reverse lock this one. I think he's trying to do the uh, <laughs> well the ne- ne- negative affirmation it, for positive results. And I don't think you know zero points out of this game is necessarily going to be you know a backbreaker for this team. I think this team no, is still a long a long way to go, and they're still very much in the conversation. If they can get, I think at least a point out of the TFC game, and at least because you're denying then denying TFC three points, um, and then if they can maybe get a point out of the Houston game, I think that's successful. And anything, a win and a loss or a win and a tie is fantastic. So, um, next up, we have a uh, Flow Sports article coming up, uh, which came out, and it was sort of uh, it was a both a uh, little upsetting for me, um, though I, I'm not as upset now because they finally maybe started to deliver a little bit. Uh, it's getting a little bit better the content that they're producing. Uh, but basically, it was, it was. I think it was with the. It was with one of the like the. I'm assuming one of the CEOs at Flow Sports, correct? 
I believe so, yes. Yes. So it was one of the head people at Flow Sports uh, basically describing about, you know, all the great things he's done with DC Broadcast. Um, the, the thing that really upset me was when he was like, well, there haven't been any issues since that first week. Everything's been fine, hunky-dory. And that's absolutely not the case. Uh, there have been several issues uh, with Flow Sports. Um, the absolute uh, – the the fact that the Columbus game – the stream literally like did not start till about 46 seconds into the game. Um, the audio gave out, which I'm not sure there were other people. I think the DC, the guy who watches and has the podcast in the UK, um, uh, DC, the DC United Kingdom show. Um, he was saying he was having issues as well. So I might toss that up um, a little bit to, uh, um, I might toss that up a little bit to, uh, to maybe that being a feed issue rather than necessarily a flow sports issue, but still, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't good to me that the game was not on the time it was supposed to be on. So I do not chalk that up to, you know, issues with the broadcast. And you know, the, the you know, I can also bring up the fact they don't let their you know they don't have their uh, the the host travel. Um, but again, I'm not I don't really want to you know get into that because that doesn't affect the quality of the feed. Uh, then he goes on to say, oh, you know, we got 20, you know, 22 hours of engaging content. You know, we're covering 22 hours other than the game of engaging content. And I'm like, yeah, you got like one minute videos and some interviews and five good minutes with Ben Olsen. But that's not near like the amount of engaging content that we were promised. We were promised there were going to be, you know, a coach's show. There was going to be, you know, profiles on the players. And, and to be fair, they have started to put a little more of that in. Um, there's, you know, I think there's now there's like seven or eight minute videos. I think there, there was like, you know, a, a match night video, which was kind of cool. So, I mean, there's, there's, they're starting to develop a little bit more of it in that content, but I find it very upsetting that they are talking up all this content and they have not really delivered on that. And, you know, it's fine to say, well, we're developing it and everything like that. And it's very much like they're overselling it. And that, so that upset me. Um, I think it has set a lot of people at DC, and then also the they dropped the hint that when the local and national rights um, when national rights uh, come up for bid, um, they are apparently going to bid very hard for that. Um, so I am I think that's a warning sign to a lot of teams, and it's a warning sign to a lot of MLS fans as well, uh, because right now things are not are no bueno with DC and their and their uh, Flow Sports deal. Where is their money coming from? <laughs> it's a, it, it, it honestly, you know, it comes from investors. It comes from, it comes from your, if you're very good enough to convince investors that you can make money on this down the road and you say, well, we need, you know, an upfront cost to gobble up, you know, content, uh, then you can, you can get away with a lot of that. So, um, I'm just very glad that the open cup was not on flow sports. Cause I was fully predicting that. I was like, when they said, oh yeah, we're going to launch a new content. I'm like, Oh God, it's going to be Flow Sports, isn't it? It's got like there, like who else would pay for like open cup rights, and who else would try to try to do that? And I was like, well, I got a subscription, so I guess that's not bad for me, but I feel really bad. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I'm very much worried uh, that we're going to have uh, Flow Sports coverage of Major League Soccer. The Saturday night games will all be on Flow Sports. The everything's going to be Flow Sports. But I, again, I can't imagine MLS doing something like that. You're taking yourself off national TV. I mean, it's fine if a local team does it, but I don't know, man. I, I can't imagine them doing it. I, I don't understand I, what you gained from that. I was talking about this on Twitter. The problem is that they have tried a number of different things. They have tried set broadcast windows. They have tried different providers. They have tried wraparound coverage. They have tried. They have tried decision day coverage. 
They've tried all these things, and DC, or MLS games still get beat by cornhole. They still get beat by infomercials. They'll do anything they can do, and they're going to get the best they can hope for is a 1.2 rating, which is like what Frasier reruns get. So there's a there's an argument that can be made that saying that all that they need to get for their for their coverage is money. That everything else that happens around they're they're not getting mainstream sports coverage. The 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 media that covers it like us are self self enforcing and free. So it's it's a weird thing where their money is being made by expansion expansion rights. It's being made by people showing up and being in the stands. But it's not, and it's being made from whoever whatever dummies give them money to to broadcast their games that no one watches. So it'll it'll just make a difference if if Flow Sports can figure out a way. They I look they only have six investors, six institutional investors, and two of them are WWE and Discovery are two of their Series B uh, funders. I don't does it say how much they've given? No. Um, but I, I I think it's 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 counterintuitive to the way that you'd assume most sports would want to market their video content. They've tried every way that they can think of, every conventional method on television. So I think they're like, well, we'll just try something different and weird. And as long as they pay us, we'll 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 make it work. Like the the channel you were talking about today, the free channel on what was it, Crackle Sports or whatever the hell it was. It's uh it's Pluto TV. <laughs> Pluto TV. Yeah. So they're 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 gonna do every gimmicky millennial trapping online thing that they can think of to try to get eyeballs on this. They'll they'll probably they'll do games on Twitch. They'll maybe they'll Snapchat entire games. Who knows I what mean, they'll do, but the, the, Fox and Fox and NBC aren't delivering for them anymore. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I don't deny that. I, I would like to see them try. And one thing I had when they said that they were not extending the local TV rights and the national rights past 2022, they told teams do not sign a local deal longer than this. Is they the problem MLS has faced, and they faced this for a while. It's the the we love DC but not MLS crowd. It's the we love our club but we don't really care about anything else other than our team. Um, and that's been a that's been a a victim of what they pushed as far as like get out to the games, you know, we're gonna, you know, supporters groups, you know, be hyper into your team. And then when everything else comes around, you know, not a lot of people aren't like me. They're not gonna sit down and watch, you know, Col- Colorado versus Real Salt Lake after I get back from the Richmond Kickers game. I mean, not a lot of people are gonna be like me, and I, and I understand that. What I would like to see them try to do, and one thing I think that could be successful, is you say, okay, we're gonna do a, a seven, you know, we're gonna schedule, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports, you're gonna get the local and the national rights. We're gonna have games on at 7.30 on Saturday and 10.30, so you got the East and the West Coast, and then basically you get the exclusive rights to five games. And you can pick and choose. So you can, the Seattle market is going to get the Seattle game. The Portland market is going to get the Portland game. We're in, you have, you can also, you also can sell the, the, um, the rights package as well. The out of market rights package, um, sort of do what the NFL does, which is, you know, you have the, the CBS, the Fox game, the CBS and the Fox game. And it's based on where you live. Um, and I think it's just, you just got, I think MLS has to go hyper local. And then if you're pulling, you know, 300,000 in DC, you know, 200,000 in New York, you know, to 600,000 in Seattle or, you know, however many people in those, in those games that tune in and, and get the high local market ratings, you then can sell more advertising. Cause you're gonna say, Hey, you know, locally, you're going to, you know, each local area is going to have different numbers and you're going to gain, you know, we're going to have a million people watching these games because we're, they're only going to be interested in their teams. Uh, so that's kind of the sort of the last thing I think, I think MLS can try. And that's kind of what I thought they were going for. 
Um, and I think it's something that could actually work. Um, I, I'm actually a, a sort of believer in maybe that being the strategy. And you can still do a nationally broadcast game, and and that might, you know, that 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 might still garner some interest. Uh, so I would, I'm kind of hoping that's the direction they're going, and not the well, we're just gonna you know sell the rights for 50 million to Flow Sports, and you got to pay you know no more discounts. You got to pay now the full. $15 or whatever it is a month or the $150 you got to pay to get it. So um, hope, you know, it's going to be interesting in 2022 and we got the, the CBA negotiations coming up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And it's going to be interesting to see what, because now the next revenue stream is selling players and getting the um, Academy rights. Uh, so MLS is very attuned that they got to start making some money. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that the, the, uh, the selling players and the uh, development rights kind of come through maybe and, and help them say, well, we'll still, we'll, we'll take a little less. We'll stay on ESPN or Fox sports. Um, so enjoy it while yeah, I'm kids. curious. <laughs> I'm curious what their, what their plan is because they're everything was set up to that. This next deal was going to be the ramp up, right? Like we've yeah. got this heading up. Uh, we're going to have a, will there be a world cup right after that? What year is it? 20, is it 2022. So there is a world cup coming up. So there's, there's so that was done by design. So yeah. they, they, they were all, they were thinking that this is going to be our, our, we're going to, our going to have natural growth up until that point, And then we'll, the world cup will, will vault us over into crazy town. Uh, we, there, there just hasn't been any of that. It's been flat for the most part. I think it's you're been, right that the, the, the interest is local yeah. and the people who the diehards are in the stadiums. Yeah. I mean, this is local, but I mean, it's also I, I still I think the you could you could pull a good national number if you just had the games on local TV, there would be a lot more people watching games. And I think that's that's the strategy I think that they might be looking to take. And so like they, the NFL does it. Yeah, basically. Basically, you yeah. think you think there's enough marquee you think there's enough marquee talent in each um, in each geographical region to, to provide a good game each week so that you don't have any just complete. I mean, like garbage. So I mean, you're gonna have. I mean, obviously, you're gonna have some stinkers. You're gonna have the the Colorados versus New Englands, but those games are only gonna be local to that to those two markets. Those two markets are gonna are gonna have the they're gonna get the broadcast of that game when they tune into ESPN two. That's the game they're gonna see. Um, but you know, the rest of the league. So you're gonna have the Colorados, but you're gonna it's gonna be more interested in that market. So more people are gonna tune in to ESPN2 to watch those games. And it, again, not every market's going to be a uh, be successful. Um they're going to be there might be, you know, a 50,000 people watching Chicago. There might be 30,000 people watching New England and then even less when the when the when the game, you know, is in uh is in the stadium. Uh but you're going to you're going to at least have it where ESPN is going to be showing Seattle and in Seattle there's going to be consistently a high market rating and if you can sort of cumulatively you know pull all that together um i think you could make a case for mls having a better uh, a better market rating because the problem is is that it's just people will watch their team they want to watch their team win but you get a nationally broadcast game even with you know new york city fc versus la when you have zlatan and 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 yeah david via or you have you know when miami comes into town and you know i don't know Cristiano ronaldo's out there um or something like that you're not seeing that you know that high mark that where people are tuning in to watch those. Um, so it's, I think the idea is to go local, go hyper local and drum up interest in that way. And you can, you can start hitting those high dollar marks. They'll, they'll report out, you know, how many people watched MLS on Sunday nationally. And it's going to be in the, you know, close to a million because, you know, you would able to pull in collectively um, all those viewership numbers. So, um, 
Do you think if you took the expansion fees out of MLS's budget, they would be making money on a year over year? I don't basis? think even with expansion fees, they're making money personally. Um, I so think, think they're even there. And then I, I, that's my inclination too. I think that they're, I think that they're still bleeding money. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why they're doing things. They're, they're taking the expansion money and this is why they're now saying things like we need to be a selling league. We need to be a, we need to be a league that is participating in the global market. Um, we need to start, I don't know, start asking for things like trading compensation because we're putting all these money in academies and stuff like that. Uh, but what they've been very smart is, and what the course the elephant in the room is, Soccer United marketing, and this is what a lot of people don't people people kind of people don't really consider Soccer United marketing, which has the World Cup rights and it has the um, has uh, MLS rights and it has uh, a lot of other sort of you know soccer related rights that generate a lot of income and there's very little overhead that they have to do. Uh, this is actually how they've been able to sort of, you know, negotiate because they say, well, MLS isn't making money, but, you know, we've got this stash of money over here with Soccer United Marketing that all the MLS investors are invested in. Uh, and this is a lot of things, you know, when when, when a soccer economics person comes out and says, oh, this is a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. It's awful. It's terrible. They don't take into account that Soccer United Marketing exists. And I, what was even funny is is um, there was an article by the Soccernomics guy who said that MLS is going to fail in 10 years and, you know. Billy Hazley at Deadspin pulled out this article saying, "Oh, MLS is going to fail." And then this guy was like, and, uh, "I think it was a, it was Kim McCauley who came out and said, well, no, actually, like it's really not going. It's not on the brink of failure. There's a lot of things that happen that that where MLS teams make money that aren't directly related to uh, to uh, to Major League Soccer. DC is going to have, you know, DC Knights is going to have the XFL team come in. Um, they're making money off, you know, renting out that stadium, and and those are revenue streams that aren't going to be reflected on necessarily the MLS books. Uh, and then, of course, every MLS investor is also invested in Soccer United Marketing, and they take a piece out of that. Um, so MLS is MLS is bleeding money, but there are other entities that kind of lessen that blow. Um, and of course, the valuations of MLS teams are still going up. Uh, there's still a, a huge amount of valuation uh, for a lot of these clubs, um, and the the reason that they put these high uh, you know, uh, fees is also to, to break in income and everybody's like, Oh, they're raking in income, but it's also to make sure that, Hey, you're not going to get into this league unless you can stand to pay that fee to enter. Um, you know, the long gone are the days of the, of the million dollar entry fees. You know, now the reason it keeps going up is because they want bigger, bigger, bigger investors who can handle maybe, uh, you know, losing, losing money and, and are willing to make that long-term investment. So, um, I gotta tell you long, Ted, long, what's that? Go ahead. It still feels to me. It still feels to me like, like, like the housing market or something. Like I feel if uh, the 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 core, like the the underlying superstructure of this league, the fact that no one's watching it on TV, feels like a canary in a coal mine of something. The fact that they're gonna go to thirty teams, then they'll go to thirty two teams probably, and then they'll just keep adding teams until there's a team in every city or something insane, and. If if still if they can't figure out how to break TV if they kill, still can't figure out how to do that and they're still having cities like New England or you know cities that can't draw despite or like Houston can't draw despite a new stadium uh, or teams like Chicago that are moving back to Soldier Field in a last ditch effort for relevance in the market like so, something feel you know something smells funny to me I don't I, I don't want to say that I'm that I'm that I'm ten years until this league croaks you know pessimistic about it but. I, I feel like there there's something that doesn't add up for the continued rise in valuation and the thought that profitability is just around the corner. Some is there and some will be able to continue to sell uh, global rights. They'll be able to sell 
when the the European teams come here and play friendlies. They'll be able to sell uh, national team uh, TV rights, etc. Um, but you know, it's something that none, neither of us can answer right here and now. But I, I think that there there are there are signs of unhealth to me in some of these markets, and the fact that it's single entity means they can't just say, uh, "Crafts, we're going to move your team. You're not. You can't find a stadium. You can't find a coach." Because the team has been so run, so so budget, such budget wise. Same for Kroenke in Colorado. So we're just going to move your team to a new market where there's an appetite, there's investors, they're going to build the stadium. Uh, there's a good TV, there's a good TV uh, uh, region, so we know we'll get good visibility at least for those games there. Um, but they can't do it because of the way that the, the league is sort of designed. There's no, they're not going to agree to do that. From those are both early investors that have, you would imagine. Uh, substantial say in, in the financial health of the league overall with money they put in over the years. So, you know, I think it's just, I, it's, it's a debate for another day. There are lots of other things going on, but it, it, there are, there are signs to me that's, that don't really add up from a you and, know, dollars and cents perspective. And, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think you're, you're focused too much on just the, the MLS side of the business and you're, you don't take into account the other things. And there are a lot of things that are changing their participation in the international market. I mean, if, if they're consistently selling players, and it doesn't have to be the ten, the twenty, you know, twenty million, you know, Almarones out there. If they're selling, you know, they get a player, at a, a player they developed in their academy like Durkin, and they sell them for seven million. You know, those are incremental steps that you can get to to have to generate income and to generate uh, to generate um, money for the league. And I think that's the route. I think you're definitely seeing them take. Um, and so I consider that a more interesting investment. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is guys at the crafts, they have plenty of money and you're seeing, that's why you're also seeing them go to a lot more like NFL and NBA type owners. Um, cause these are guys that are sort of realizing that the popularity of the NFL is at its peak and there's, there's a downward trend and there, there are a lot more canary and coal mines with the NFL than there are with, um, with MLS. Trust me, they're they're They exist and they're out there. Um, particularly from the bottom and the top um, with the NFL. Um, and everybody laughs at me when I say that, but uh, I think the NFL is going to decline in popularity, and it's coming sooner than a lot of people think. Um, so I would say that I think MLS is a little bit more protected than a lot of those other leagues. But, yes, you're right. Discussion for another time. Let's. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, Lu- Luciano Costa news. Uh, Lucha Watch 2019. Um, apparently, Stephen Goff is reporting that he is going to continue uh, his contract, uh, basically, contract negotiations are going to go through July. So, um, I guess the the question is uh, that pretty much means he's here for the year, regardless if he signs a new contract or not. Um, I want to give you a question: Is this positive news that you think they're eventually going to get him for a contract, or is this not good news? You think he's gone still by in January? I think he's still gone in January. I think this is just his agent being smart. I think yeah. he, this is this is the best move you want to do to maximize money for your client and for yourself. That if yeah. you play well and you don't have to sign a transfer fee and you can take all that money, um, the agent fee is going to be higher and his fee is going to be higher with no uh, or his salary will be higher with no fee. I think he's confident that he'll play his way through. There's enough people sniffing around. It may not be a PSG level, uh, but I think someone will come calling. Um, yeah, I think that's the I think that's the likely outcome. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's gonna be a uh it's gonna be interesting I guess an interesting thing that's coming in, uh that's that's coming up with this with this contract offer. Um I think obviously he's playing both sides. Um and he's he, the he's gonna be a situation where DC's offering three million and then another club says, Well, we'll pay you, you know, four or five million because that's jump change. 
for us. Uh, and that sort of changes the conversation. And DC might have to offer more, or you might say, you know what, I'm gone. Um, I think from a DC United, from from a me D, being a DC United fan perspective, um, I get to watch Lucia for the rest of the season. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, my 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 reasons are personal. I want to see him play. Um, I understand the idea. I want my club, you know, to made an investment to to get money. But at the end of the day, you know what? Um, he really only cost them about a couple million. Um, if basically from what from what I from my perspective, they really didn't invest. You know, it wasn't like they invested twenty million dollars in him, and suddenly, um, and suddenly, you know, he he goes for on a free. They invested maybe one to two million dollars. You know, they paid a million dollar transfer fee. They paid about two or three seasons of of um, of a salary. Most most of which went came out of MLS's coffers anyway. They used a lot of you know designated TAM uh, to get him. So you know you want to see them sort of reap a little bit of investment. Um, but we've got guys like Donovan Pines who are showing up. We got Chris Durkin who's who's probably going to go for for at least a few million. Um, and then there's the next. Who, who is DC going to bring in next? Um, then maybe they can they can the profile will be raised enough that they can uh, sell some other players. Um, so yeah, um, that's uh, that's going to be interesting uh, interesting watch I guess this uh, like it always is. So um, anything else we wanted to talk about? Apparently, Paul Ariola's favorite band is Blink One Eighty Two, and uh, yeah, he's cried on. he's cried both times he's seen them live. So that's that's a problem. I think we're gonna have to have a conversation with him someday. Um, uh, oh, Loudon, quick Loudon update. Uh, if you haven't watched the if you haven't watched the highlights, I suggest you do it because two of the two of the three goals by Connor Presley and by Noah Pilato are really great goals. Really kind of exciting. It, it is it is stark how much uh, they've improved as a unit. Uh, the defense still is a little shaky at times, um, and you know the the system doesn't really lend itself to to necessarily beautiful flowing soccer, but they do move well on the wings uh, and they shoot well from distance. Uh, apparently they've du- they doubled their goal scoring for the season in this game against, uh, against uh, Charlotte. So keep, watch these games. They're getting better They're It's an, it's an enjoyable, uh, another 90 minutes you can add to your DC soccer watching weekend. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it's pretty cheap. So, uh, so yeah, definitely check it out. Um, I guess anything else, uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Twitter.com slash RFQRefugees. Uh, email us RFQRefugees at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash RFQRefugees. Uh, definitely uh, support the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash RFQRefugees. We have uh, a new patron I have to thank, Brian right. Kane. Thank you for becoming a patron this week. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Brian Kane. Thank you to all our supporters. Um, request us for stickers. Do we have any more stickers, John? Are we? Are We, we do. I am, I'm looking at a very small stack of stickers. Yes. Um, request. So... Uh, Let's you know. Let's let's figure out a way to let's figure out a way to meet up. I had a request to actually give someone give someone one this weekend, and I forgot to bring it. So next home game, I will for sure bring some. And then we've got a we've got enough here that if you still want a sticker, we'll send it out to you. We're still not seeing a lot of pictures of these stickers being placed uh, out in the wild. Yeah, we need more. Place one was at Audi Field in the bathroom, which I, I know who did that. So thank you for thank you for doing that. <laughs> Come on, be more creative, people. We we can stamp these all over. You know, go to it when you go to these away games, man. Put one up, put one up in the opposing stadium. Come on. So far, they're in one other stadium, and that's City Stadium. That's the one I did. So, come on. The one you you know uh, allegedly did. Oh, I got unless, unless someone wants to get you and uh, don't they like we'll rip it down, right? 
What's that? One of two. They'll rip it's it still down. There. Won't they? It's still there. There's still a bunch of stickers there. They're still there. Trust me. They're still there. So is the Rooney One of Us sticker. I need to get one on the Xbox. I'm going to work on that. Yeah, there you go. That's your that's your project. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we will catch you all probably next week. I, I don't think I don't know if we're going to have time to do another show, but uh, we'll catch you all next week. Enjoy the games this week. Vamos. Vamos. <laughs>